Audio. I'm Clint Emerson, and welcome to season two of Can You Survive This Podcast, where the interview is just as dangerous as the scenarios I put my guests through. From hostage situations to natural disasters, carjackings, active shooters, and more, if you're looking for the skills necessary to survive these situations, then this is the show for you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of Can You Survive This Podcast? And one of the most common questions I get all the time, I've been actually reading your comments. I'm not really good at it, but I have been doing it from time to time. And it's always like, hey, where do I get that T-shirt you're wearing? I'm always like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Just go look at my links. Violentnomad.com. The one I'm wearing today is a navy blue blank with some gold and white navy attributions. And if the pirate in you wants a shirt like this, then just go on over to uh, violentnomad.com and get yourself the buccaneer. Okay, so all the shirts I ever wear is from violentnomad.com, which is my own apparel. Just like everybody else on the planet, your body is your billboard, and I wear my shit all the time. So if you like it, get yourself one. That answers at least you know, those hundred questions about what shirt I'm wearing, which I think is crazy. But let's get to today's guest. All right. She's an actress. She's a lawyer. She's been on The Bachelor fighting and screaming and torturing other women, I'm sure. And then she recently has been on SAS Australia, which is like the number one show in Australia, maybe number two. I don't know. I don't live there. I don't get the ratings. I want to welcome Anna Heinrich to the show. Thanks for coming on board. Thanks for having me. I'm actually surprised <laughs> I'm doing this podcast because when you asked me, I was like, do I fit this? Can I survive this podcast? But I'm here. I'm going to give it my best shot. So Yeah. And I know that your best shot is usually pretty damn good. So, uh, we're going to just roll into this with your rapid yep. fire. So I, I kind of come out of the gate swinging. All right. This, I don't know if this first one is going to be easy or tough, but, you know, for some people it might be. All right. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All Let's right. do it. The husband or the baby? Oh, the baby. Oh, he's going to kill me. <laughs> the baby. Okay. We're going to circle back around to this. All right. So, all right. The beehive or pepper spray? Pepper spray. Mm. All right. Uh, enforce the law or bend the law? I always enforce the law. <laughs> sure. that's, that's actually a pretty deep question if you think about it. All right. It is. Um, carry, carry, a ru- uh, carry a ruck or what we called a, 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 a bergen. Oh, you know, oh, the bargain. Bargain. I think okay. like a ruck. Okay, a yeah. ruck. We call them rucks over here okay. in the U.S. U.S. military, we call them rucks. You know, the big heavy okay. backpack. Like a ruck, rucksack. That's right. A rucksack. Yeah, okay. yep. So ruck, carry, ruck. A, carry a rucksack or tote a purse. Oh, I'm scared of what the other one is. So I'm going to say a rucksack. Just because I'm scared, I don't know. No, there's no reason. It just it just tells a little bit about us. What's your personality? You rather carry a rucksack than a purse? I think a lot of people respect that. Okay, Um, for this podcast, yes, for the definition. That's right. You're you're obviously a very you're a chameleon. Um, Jet boat or helicopter? Uh, Helicopter. Okay. Uh, The city or the outback. This city. 
the city. Yeah, you kind of fit the, the city outback, but <laughs> you kind of live in the outback. I mean, it, isn't it like all of Australia is the outback, right? Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here's I don't know if this one will be easy. The Bachelor or SAS? Oh, I actually think SAS, and I can Ooh. tell you why later <laughs> yes we will get to that for sure okay all right the beach or the jungle the beach the beach yeah, yeah. i kind of figured that one all right working solo or working as a team working as a team yeah sure. yeah all right good job circling back to the top that tough one okay. the husband or the baby you picked the baby i mean you're a mom so Exactly. I feel like my husband can look after himself. So I feel like Elle needs me and whatever situation I'm in, I'm going to take the baby first because I know Tim's, Tim's okay. Right. Is that your right. question? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good reasoning. I think he'll approve. Okay. Yes, honey. He'll be like, honey, take the baby. Yes, take the baby. I'll, I'll take care of everything else. Um, and you is how, how old is your, is your little one? She is now 16 months. Yeah. Yeah. So right. when I was on SAS, she was 10 months. So that's right. Still really young, walking, talking. Uh, she's very adventurous and very active, too. I bet. I bet. Little girls are awesome. I tell people all the time if you have a choice between a boy and a girl, I pick the girl. I've got a girl. And the reason being is because you can, you can teach a girl everything under the sun. And she won't be made fun of any of those things, right? You can teach a girl boy stuff. But if you teach a oh, boy yeah. girl stuff, it really doesn't work out that well for them. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? they, and they listen and they actually absorb that information, unlike boys. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, girls. yeah. And yeah. I'm one of three. I'm one of three girls. So I've got two sisters and my dad always wanted girls. Uh, I didn't know why. Um, I think he probably regretted that later on in life. But, yeah, he definitely wanted a girl. Yeah, that's a... Uh, just one girl they say you have to, you know with one boy you gotta you only have to worry about one penis and with one <laughs> girl you have to worry about well more than just one penis right um yeah we never want to really think about that but it's it's the uh it is the truth it is the truth um all right so then we went beehive versus pepper spray now for those of you listening you may not know but uh SAS is a show over in Australia. It's currently airing and Anna is in that season and uh, we can't go too far into it, but we can talk about the beehive and pepper spray, which both of which you had to deal with. And you picked pepper spray being sprayed in the face, like point blank range with pepper spray. Yeah. And then having I'm, to do I'm some... kind of regretting that now. I probably should have said beehive <laughs> because they were equally as bad. And they were the beehive, I guess, what I think everyone found difficult and what you didn't actually see on SAS is how many times we did it. I think they showed that we did it twice on TV, but we in fact, I think it was like four or five times. And we yeah. had to keep getting back in there and the different situations every time we went back in there. And then we got out and we had to do a little workout and we had to go back in there. And then we held uh, something above our head and just it just kept getting worse. And we never knew when it was going to be over. And right. equally as bad is the pepper spray because when we had to run up the hill. So we got, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, we got um, pepper spray sprayed and we got given a code and then had to run up the hill. And when we 
found the box that we and the the box that we had to unlock with the code, we thought that's great. That's it. Like all this pain is going to go. So we got the water, put it all over our face. And we're like, this is amazing. Kate. It's like a couple of minutes of pain, but the pain just did not stop. And it just kept going and going. And I was like, this is driving me absolutely crazy because like nothing is helping with the pain. And it lingered for like half an hour or more. So yeah, the pepper spray was absolutely horrendous, but equally as bad as the beehive. Sorry. Yeah, and and for those of you that don't know what the beehive is, it's a very popular weed out tool in SEAL training where you put everybody in the combat training tank, you force them together. There's instructors in the water splashing you and forcing a group of people that can't touch the bottom so close to one another that it makes treading water almost impossible, which then engages a panic and people start to freak out and quit. And it, the whole purpose of the beehive is to determine, you know, who's comfortable in the water and who is not. Now, the smart ones will just take a deep breath, go all the way down to the bottom and just look up and watch the chaos and then come up, you know, use strategy. You'll come up at where you see light, take another quick breath and then go back down to the bottom and then just watch all the chaos above you. That's what the smart guys do. Yeah. Well, I um, wish we knew that before. So <laughs> of course, that. I did. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't well, tell I you actually, guys that trick. I actually also stayed um, on the outside as much as I possibly could because I knew as soon as you started getting right in the middle, you had more people around you, more people kicking you and wanting to put you down. So I was just like gradually going to the outside <laughs> of the beehive and being like, okay, hey, don't touch me. Don't touch me. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Another good yeah. Smart people went to the, went to the perimeter too. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. good on, good on you. Now, do you carry, do you carry, do you have, do you feel like you need to carry pepper spray or anything there in Australia? Is it, what's crime like? No, we no. don't. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I've never carried pepper spray ever in my life. Um, yeah. I think probably the only time that maybe I could have carried pepper spray is when I was young and I was going out and I was partying. I just felt like sometimes those walks home uh, or even getting in a cab, you never know what's going to happen. But I think that's just really like an extreme measure because nothing really ever happened. So. <laughs> right, right. Now, are, what is considered the bad part of town? What, what's the bad? Is it, I mean, oh, it's just like every 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 urban environment in Sydney has its bad parts of town, right? Yeah. So when I was or kind of growing Australia, up, like sorry. we had, oh, sorry. Um, we had, uh, there's lots of sort of on the outskirts. Uh, however, I think for me personally, it was more, like I said, when I went out and there was a place called King's Cross and there was a lot going on then. So I feel that area was bad, but more so when it got really late and everyone was partying and everyone was drunk and you didn't know what was going on around you. Uh, For me, that's probably when I felt the most unsafe in Sydney, but I'm sort of normally in, like I live in a place uh, called the Eastern Suburbs and I'm in a little bit of a bubble. So I feel like there's not a huge amount of crime going on. However, I did live in a place called Goulburn, which is close to the capital, and I there was a lot of crime there, uh, and I grew up there, and then I ended up going to boarding school in, in Sydney, but that was probably a little bit more rough um, than the areas I'm in now. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting how things parallel. It doesn't matter where you stand on this planet. There's always some uh, bad part of town you could end up in. Um all right. Enforce the law or bend the law. You went with enforcing the law. I'm guessing yeah. now. So let that kind of leads into this 
you being a, an attorney, correct? Yes. So, yeah, I I call it lawyer. Or we call it lawyer. <laughs> a lawyer. Like, yeah. a to- attorney or lawyer. Uh, yeah. I've actually stopped that now. I didn't renew my practicing certificate this year. I, I was in criminal law as well. So I did that. I was a practicing lawyer for about nine years, but I actually, I think something we'll talk about later is going on The Bachelor and I was about a year into my uh, career and then I ended up going on The Bachelor. So ever since then, I kind of wasn't doing it full time and I was doing, I think I was doing five days and it went down to four days and three days because I was just so busy with other things. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it was very interesting and I, I loved that part of it, but I never was passionate about it. So I kind of, I fell into it a bit more because my father, he's a uh, lawyer or he's retired last year, but he was a lawyer and I kind of just didn't know what I wanted to do. So I did a law degree because here, if you've got a law degree, you can kind of fit into anything and do anything. So I was like, I'll do that. Then I'll go and find something I love. But at the end of it, I was like, I don't even know what I love at the moment. So I kind of just was like, I'll do law. And then I fell into it, got a job, and then, and then everything, yeah, sort of everything changed once I went on The Bachelor. Yeah. Well, getting that kind of publicity kind of just starts a whole new path that you probably didn't think would ever open up, right? I mean, it just. No, it was the first. It was the first Bachelor uh, in Australia, and it was something I didn't want to do. I didn't want to go into, and it. M- one of my girlfriends, I'd never had a boyfriend up until this point. I was 26, and I was like, this is just something so far out of what I ever thought I would do. My girlfriend signed me up. She filled out all the questionnaires for me, and I ended up on it, and my dad was like, you cannot go on this. Like, you're a lawyer now, and I, I thought, like, this could ruin my career. I've studied. I know it's not something I really want to do, but I still felt like at least I had a career. So I was really worried that that would all go out the window once I signed up to this. And uh, thankfully, things have just like things have been great ever since. And I obviously I met my husband. I've now got uh, a little girl. So it's it's been amazing. But that was back in 2013. So we're actually next year. It's going to be our sort of 10 year anniversary. Yeah, that's amazing. I remember looking yeah. at the date going, oh, it's been a while. Yeah. And so let, let me get this straight. You married the first guy, you your first boyfriend? <laughs> yes. Yeah, he was <laughs> literally, he was my first boyfriend. And yeah, I got married. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's a leap I've of faith. Lot, like, I've been with a lot of guys, but well, not, not now. Oh, way, really? Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> like I had been with other guys. It just, I didn't have like a serious boyfriend. I think I was just too afraid of, I don't know, just opening up and this kind of forced me into a situation when we really had to get to know each other. So it actually just worked out really, really well. Yeah, I guess so. Because most of those reality uh, relationships don't usually go very far, right? I know when some of those shows started here in the US, uh, you know, it all looked romantic and these big fantasies. And then, you know, the tabloids obviously would let you know when things crumbled apart a couple of months after the show ended, right? Yeah, but I think the success rate in Australia, like there's a lot of people have gone on the show. Um, There's like a handful of them that are married, got kids. Like the success rate is actually really good in Australia. I don't think in the US it's great. Uh, (laughs) But in Australia, maybe there's just something different. Like maybe I think a lot of people are actually genuine when they go in there. Um, It might be a little bit different now over over time because – how many there's been but i think people see what you can get from it whereas when i went in uh it hadn't ever 
and had never been there. So it was kind of like, shit, what is going to happen? Like, am I going to have no career? Is this going to be like my biggest downfall, like going on this show? I was really, really worried, but yeah, turned out well. Yeah. It does seem that uh, Australia has embraced you, which is, uh, that's always good. Um, All right. So carry a ruck or tote a purse so basically carry a purse or carry a ruck you pick you pick the hard one and i think no, that's I know. Respectful. you pick the ruck no i know i wish i didn't again I, wish, <laughs> I was like what are you saying carry a tote i thought it was like a trick question no i would always carry a purse or a handbag <laughs> i just think lost in communication translation here oh um, yeah, yeah no so i take that back i don't think i've ever carried a rucksack or, <laughs> apart from sas yeah uh, no, I carry a purse. Yeah, okay. So you rather yeah. carry your purse than carry your Bergen? Yeah, any day. Yeah. Leading up to SAS, I think it was the first time I'd ever put one of those on. Oh, maybe back at school. I think we went camping uh, once and I, I put <laughs> one on. I can't even remember, but I'm sure I did. And then, yeah, leading up to SAS, the training, I only had four weeks to train. So the first thing I did was uh, I put the Bergen on or the rucksack and I filled it up. I think it was about, I thought it was 20 kilos, but it was I think about 23. So then I just started training in that almost daily. So yeah, I'm not going to bring that on again. And and 22 kilos isn't light that for, for, for us here in the U S you divide that by or multiply that by 2.2. Right. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's, you know, 50, what is that? I can't even do math, but somewhere um, between 50 and 55 yeah, pounds. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that. And you're carrying it around all day, every day during yeah. SAS, right? Yeah. And it was, it was difficult. I had a few, uh, some of my recruits that would help put it on because sometimes even just pulling it off the ground was really, really difficult. Yeah. So, and then I started losing weight and I became sort of more weak. I became stronger um, at the same time, but I felt like I was becoming quite weak as well. So um, I definitely needed help, but I'm glad I trained with 20, 22, 23 kilos uh, leading up to it because when we went on the show, uh, it was, I believe, 18 kilos. Yeah, that's so, right. But it was tough. Yeah. Yeah, 18 kilos is 45 pounds. And, uh, yeah, I think we did a good job making sure you guys were always at the right weight, right? Yeah, so we had yeah. to weigh the bags every time we yeah. went uh, and onto the square. So everyone was very good at that. We're like, oh, it's like half a kilo under. Quick, put more in. <laughs> so we were scared. Yeah, of course, because I think, you know, like the first 24 hours is like shock and awe, making sure – you guys realize that it's not a show it's an actual yeah. course and the, that's what i mean and for me being you know new to it as well on the instructor side i i had no idea that the four of us were literally running this course for you know 14 days straight i thought oh yeah there's probably producers and directors and they'll tell you when to do stuff and this and it was like nope not even the case like yeah. it was us and you guys, and we just went balls of the wall for freaking 14 days straight. I mean, I was just as tired and worn out as I think you guys were. Uh, I know, I know. And that's the thing. I think people think, oh, you're going to have producers all around at all times. And that's what's so unique and authentic about this show, whereas you genuinely run this show and they're not going, okay, stop, stop. Can we redo that? Like everything is just 
done on the run and you do it how you want to do it. And that's what yeah. I loved about it. And once you're in that bubble, it, it's crazy. As soon as you leave the bubble, you're like, I feel like I've just been on like a movie set or something where you just are so disconnected from the outside world. Uh, it, it was crazy kind of walking from inside uh, the course to, to leaving the course. And then you see all the, all the people around it, all the people that are watching you 24-7. But when you're in it, you don't know it. Right. It's amazing. An amazing, amazing experience. And yeah. we'll, we'll dig more into that. Okay, so jet boat or helicopter, you pick the helicopter. I wish I could pick both because um, yeah. on the last, uh, it was one of the episodes recently uh, yeah. where we got to jump from the, did you call that a jet boat? What we Yeah, jumped? it's a jet yeah, boat. Jet I, boat. I call them, even though they're not jets, but. Yeah, yeah, it's a, so it's a fast think, boat. Yeah, fast boat. Um, so if I was to escape anywhere, I feel like I need both now. So I'm going to say both, but I, <laughs> I have been on a few helicopter uh, helicopters before, but they were just more like joy rides, fun, yeah. look at the city. The luxuries so. of life. You aren't hanging from the skid trying to get in. No, right? no, no. <laughs> so look, I, if I could take both, I would, but I'll go helicopter because I'm like, I don't love getting wet. So didn't help that you were on our season of SAS based around water. I was like, mm, kill me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did add in a little bit of the water factor, which is fun. You're listening to Can You Survive This Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and share on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. Okay, the city or the outback. So you picked the city. You're a city girl? Yeah, I'm a city girl, but I actually grew up, um, as I was saying, in the country. So even right. though I was in town, um, so I didn't live on a farm, but uh, Goulburn, which is where I'm from, is actually like a country town. So I kind of had the best of both worlds, and I'm really glad. I I was about 12 when I moved to Sydney and went to boarding school but I'm kind of glad I got to experience both so and I had a lot of friends who were boarders um so they're all from the country so I definitely I definitely love both and it's nice to get out of the city but I also like doing lots of things I like all the the excitement of the city and all my family and friends are now in the city so yeah I have to say city but I do really like getting out to the country and and kind of relaxing yeah yeah use it as a vacation spot rather than a torture torture chamber right exactly (laughs) all right the bachelor or SAS you picked SAS I yeah yeah what's your main like because I, I would, ha- I mean, just from my perspective, yeah. you know, with The Bachelor, you're living with a bunch of women. In yeah. SAS, you are living pretty raw with, it's a co-ed environment. Um, yeah. Do you find that a little more, even though it was it was roughing it, uh, yeah. did you find that a little more entertaining and kind of easier to deal with than a bunch of women in a, in a nice house? Or <laughs> what do you think? So I went to boarding school. So ba- uh, The Bachelor being, I think it was with 23, 24 other women, uh, was actually a whole lot of fun and but then it got quite difficult as well with all the women because they're all fighting for this one person and I think it started showing uh later on towards like I think we're down to last five and it's kind of like 
do you want to talk to that other person? Because you're both after the same guy. So I think it came, I think that was a really hard aspect of it. And also oh, yeah. because it was the first time I'd ever done any TV or anything like that. So I was completely new. And like SAS, I walked into it going, oh, my God, these women are amazing. Like how am I even going to compete with these women? Because they're all incredible. And I... I think it was really tough because it was the first time I'd ever done this sort of thing. So one good thing I knew that I had on the other people going into SAS was that I kind of knew, even though it wasn't reality TV, I, I kind of knew what to expect uh, to an extent. So I, I kind of, yeah, used that to my advantage. And I did love um, being able to chat to the guys and the girls in SAS. But the one thing I didn't want to do, I was like, I'm not going to have a shower. I'm not going to like strip down because I know they'll definitely use it. So I'm like, nope, I'll have a shower. I think I had a shower maybe three times because I had to, because I had pepper spray and, and all the other stuff. So that I found that difficult and the bathroom situation with guys uh, yeah. were with the girls in The Bachelor, you actually had a proper toilet where you could shut the door. So, <laughs> Yeah. And once again, for those listening with SES, uh, the recruits are living in this, uh, you know, it's a pretty realistic uh, prison camp, if you will. I mean, it's it's a fenced in uh, birthing or barracks area and they've got outdoor latrines, which is basically made of wood. It's in the open uh, you don't get any privacy. Same with the shower. The shower was just uh, a faucet and a bucket with holes in the bottom. So it's not really even, you know, I don't even know how usable that was other than <laughs> just use your, you get water out of the faucet and splash yourself, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely roughing it for you guys. And um, yeah, I, I was kind of curious, like the thoughts of, oh, my God, I got a take clothes off in front of these strangers right like that had to have been a, a did you even notice those moments like when we were standing on the beach and it was like all right take everything off and then yeah. we hammered you guys did you was the moment so like adrenaline packed that you really didn't care or did did it cross no, your mind like oh my god i gotta take my clothes off no i i I cared every time. Uh, and that was definitely something I was like, where is my towel so I can wrap it around? Like there are certain moments and, and most people, not me, uh, just didn't care. They were like, I'm just in this situation. I just, I'm so cold. I've got to put my clothes on. I've got to dry. So a lot of people didn't care. Yeah. But I I did and I I always sort of that. So whenever we had to strip off, I literally was like, okay, where's my towel? Like where are the cameras? So they're not like right there on me. And I did think about that. So I wish yeah. I didn't. Like I just, yeah. And a lot of people, probably most people, if not everyone but me, um, they didn't care. Right. Well, it's easy to get caught up in the moment and not even exactly. remember like, oh, wait, there's a cameras, you know, pointed right at my ass. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> even I was a little. I was like, I just, I'll just look away, look away, yeah, know, look over there, give them their privacy. But um, it's so funny because there's one, there's one of the girls at um on SAS, and she hasn't really been shown a huge amount. And then the other night, she's like, "Oh, guys, the only time I've been shown is when I've got my clothes off." And it, it probably was like, <laughs> and you could almost they blurred out a few things, but it was yeah. like she hasn't really been shown a huge amount. And then literally, the only time they just like lingered on her was when she was right. taking clothes off. <laughs> yeah, you got to wonder if the producers are like, oh, we need to fill this little part of the show in with something. Um, oh, yeah. Naked yeah. shot. 
exactly yeah i'm sure they do i'm sure they're like going ah where can we put in naked people yeah we got to keep the audience attention (laughs) all right um all right so beach or jungle of course we did a lot of stuff in the jungle with ses but uh, you picked the beach where we did a lot of stuff there too yeah but i was thinking more of just relaxing on the beach (laughs) not like actually working out on the beach and and doing the what was it the sugar cookie is that what it's called yeah that's that's common all right that's common yeah yeah (laughs) uh but yeah look i actually don't love water uh so going into i don't mind it but i'm not someone who just goes for a swim every day so that's what another thing that was so hard going into this show and i knew water would be involved i didn't know how much because i didn't realize you would be on there and i don't think anyone did so a lot of people, uh, Melissa Wu, who's an Olympic diver, she was afraid of water. Like we were just so shocked at seeing how scared she was of water and she, she couldn't hold a breath for very long. Uh, every time she went in there, she had almost like mini panic attacks and a lot of people actually did. So I I get it because I don't mm-hmm. love water and I think I think everyone's afraid of drowning uh so if if I could pick the jungle or the beach I'd pick the beach if I could just relax and have a few cocktails (laughs) but uh yeah probably SAS style then maybe I'd pick the jungle yeah there you go there you go and I I mean it's funny me going through you know seal training and being a seal for 20 years and all that like to this day I cannot stand soft sand and it's because in training, we would always do these soft sand runs. Like running in soft sand is about as close as it get to just always trying to get out of quicksand, right? Yeah. It just yeah. sucks the in every step you take, your energy is just displaced into that sand. And yeah. mentally, like I never felt like I could ever like run that fast, even though yeah. everybody else was. But for me, soft sand was like this huge mental block. And I to this day, yeah. I can't stand soft sand. <laughs> but um, you hated being there when we were all doing that. You're like, oh, I feel yeah. Insane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It all came back. <laughs> um, OK. And then the last one, working solo or working in a team, you picked the team. Team any day. Like I just loved. And that's another going back to SAS. I just love that we were all there together we were doing the exact same things uh we all carried the same weight weighted bergen or rucksack um it was completely equal in that regard and that's what i loved about that but i just i love other people i love kind of chatting to people i i just love that environment so i would never have done that on my own ever in a million years so and i think they can kind of lift you up and keep pushing you and moving you forward so i think there's a lot of benefits from being surrounded by a team yeah no doubt i mean i grew up in that teamwork environment and you know it it breeds competition like healthy competition so if you're with a team even on those independent like you know solo type training like if you're at the range you know you're shooting your gun but when you're shooting your gun with a, a group of other guys all of a sudden that competitive spirit kicks in and it makes everybody better it makes everybody work harder in so many different ways and I hear you, but I also got to work alone and I enjoyed, I enjoyed just having all of the, all of the success and all the failure reside solely on me. You know what I mean? Like if something goes wrong and it's all my fault, just that, that there's a high in that somewhere 
that forces yeah. you to make sure you do everything and you make sure you're yeah. successful, you know? Exactly. And then also not wanting to let your other team members down if you, yeah. if you don't succeed. So I, I definitely right. get that. And it does solely rely on you, but, and you also just don't want to let anyone else down when you're in a team and, and it happens. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, okay. Now most dangerous situation you've been in. Okay. So I haven't actually had that many, but I, I do have one. So I was, this was back when I was younger, probably around 18, 19, when uh, we were traveling lots, uh, partying lots, went to Croatia and I, I wanted to continue partying. I loved partying back in the day. <laughs> and everyone that we were all staying on this one boat and all the girls except one uh, wanted to go home. And I was like, Oh, I want to keep going. There's an Island over there. We got a boat to the Island. Anyway, to get back to our boat, we needed someone to take us there. So we went down, um, we're just by the water and there was a guy like, Oh, I can take you back. Uh, I'm like, Oh, cool. Do you like, we'll buy you a drink. Come up. We'll keep partying. So came up, kept partying. The sky was crystal clear and he's like oh I, I see a storm coming we've got to go and I definitely had a few drinks by then I was like okay sounded weird but let's go anyway went down got on his little speed boat it was just me and my girlfriend got like smack bang in the middle of the water absolutely nothing around he turns off the engine he turns to me and my friend he goes okay girls take your clothes off or jump and I, I like my heart just sank I didn't know what to do and so my girlfriend she was a little bit more shy and timid so she was kind of sitting in the corner and she was like please sir please sir and I was like shut up I, I said I'm not going to take my clothes off I'll jump and it kind of went on for what felt like an eternity and he kept saying well okay take your clothes off or jump and I was like I, I'm not going to tell like something just came over me where I just found this like inner strength that I kept doing it and I think it went like for about five minutes where he knew that we weren't going to do it so then he ended up turning on the engine he said I'm just kidding girls I was like you are not kidding and anyway ended up taking us back to where we were staying on the boat and he when I, I was about to jump off he's like oh can I have a kiss and I was like oh no like trying to be super friendly. I was like, oh, no, 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 I've got to, I've got to go now. Bye, jump off. And it was just one of those situations where I was like, you don't know what way it could have gone. I like, I don't know how I'm going to react in those situations because you can't really plan for those. Well, you probably can. But uh, I just, I thought that was a good thing to do at the time. And thankfully it paid off because I didn't know if he had a gun, if we ended up jumping in the water. I don't know how far shore was like, it was, it was really scary. I was in a foreign country. I felt like he would have done this multiple times and probably got women to take their clothes off. Uh, and anyway, so I feel like I do have some inner strength that just comes out in those situations. Whereas my girlfriend who I was with, like she couldn't handle it. And she was so scared crying in the corner where I had to be like, just like stop that. Like mm -hmm. we've got to be strong in this situation. Anyway, it turned out for the best, thankfully. Uh, but it, it kind of like, it scared me for other people later on as well. And I was like, I don't know how, like, there's no one I could really tell. Um, Cause he would just be sitting down there praying on women, drunk women um, and doing this. So that was my near death experience, I think. So <laughs> Yeah. I'm like sitting here going, Whoa, because yeah, you are the middle of nowhere. Yep. And I mean, there's not too many options other than to stand your ground, fight. I mean, yep. even if you fought, do you did you know which way to go if you got not, control of that boat? Absolutely not. Like we'd been in Croatia for a couple of days and it was pitch black. It was probably 
one or two o'clock in the morning, there was like, like you could barely see the land around you. So I would have jumped before taking my clothes off. I just knew that in me. But at the same time, I was like, if we do this, like, does he have a gun? Like, could he shoot us while we're in the water? Like I had absolutely no idea. So it's one of those situations where I think you've just got to do what you've got to do and hope for the best. Like, what would you do? Like, I know you'd be able to fight, but if you were me, like, what's it? Yeah. What would you yeah, do? I mean, the, I mean, the first thing, and you kind of already said it, you were young and not the, not the smartest decision, you know, and there's a, there's a, there's a saying, you know, don't, don't do stupid things when there's where where there's stupid people, right? Yeah. Or don't surround yourself with stupid people in stupid places. Uh, there's variants of the saying, but it always applies, you know, because especially with young kids that party all the time and they lose 100% awareness of really what's going on. So I'd say, yeah, that's the first rule. And if you are going to put yourself when, you know, in those situations, then you definitely need to turn the awareness into overdrive and pay attention to that kind of stuff. But, you know, I kind of get like part of it, you know, you needed a ride back anyway. So whether there was a storm or not, you're going to have to get on a boat. And this is a guy that, you know, you thought you could rely on. Um, but the, I think you're right. And the, the fight or flight that kicks in, um, you know, I, I think standing your ground obviously is number one so that you don't become a victim. And uh, number two, I think getting control of your friend was wise as well. Uh, I think your instincts put you right in the right place. And once he knew that you were projecting like strength, he was like, forget it. I don't want to deal with this because in his head, what if he gets knocked over the boat, you know, knocked out of the boat and now you guys take control and just leave him. I mean, there's so many the both of you could overpower him. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you just have to do it. And that's sometimes the most difficult part. So, yeah, I would say don't jump. You know, be ready to fight and uh, and do everything you can to get him off the boat, you know? Yeah. 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 And then take the propeller and, you know, put it in his face. (laughs) (laughs) Now I've been on SAS, I can do it. Now you know. I mean, yeah, you were jumping from you're jumping from jet boats to helicopters. So I think you'll you'll be all right. Um, (laughs) Wow. That's a great story. That really is. Even though it was a horrible incident, that's something for everyone to. uh to think about and learn from. And it's interesting, you know, this, this podcast all about keeping safety, security, and survival at the forefront of people's minds in like creative ways, real world stories. And I know that when we run, we have one scenario that's based on, uh, a nuclear explosion in New York city, right? It's actually in New Jersey, but the scenario is that you're in New York and you see this big mushroom cloud. And all the way up until a couple of weeks ago, even I thought, wow, that's a pretty crazy scenario to have in our hypothetical scenario library. But now you've got Putin (laughs) invading Ukraine. And who would have thought that the words nuke would come out of any superpower's mouth? And so point being is no matter what our scenarios are, what's that? Oh, just expect everything and anything, really. Exactly. Yeah. It's you cannot like devalue any one scenario because what seems crazy today can certainly happen tomorrow. Um, and it's been proven time and time again. But I appreciate you sharing that. That's a great that's a great story for uh anybody, whether you're, you know, 
no matter who you are, you know, boy or girl, like getting trapped on a boat with a psycho um, and standing your ground. I mean, that's that's good stuff. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. Now rolling into more about you. We've kind of touched on a lot, but. (laughs) <laughs> so what I found, and I, I'm curious about this on the show, you, you obviously have to, it's very physical. Um, you recruits are constantly moving, constantly doing stuff that, uh, you've never done before. Um, and you had just had a baby like what, 10 months prior. And yeah. so let's talk about abdominal strength after having a baby. Now, did you feel like you were all healed up and everything was functioning right and your core was strong or did that, was that concerning for you to be doing all this physical stuff after having a kid? Well, I don't know if you can hear my kid, but she's screaming out (laughs) Um, right on cue. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. I, I spoke to my obstetrician before going in. Uh, that was part of the requirements, but I, I think it was around three to four months uh, when you can get back to basically anything. It could have even been earlier. So by 10 months, I felt like I was okay to go in there. I made sure I checked with my obstetrician, but also uh, abdominal strength was, I guess, always uh, a, um, I, I guess benefited from my abdominal strength, like, always because I felt like that was just something I was good at. Like when I do, I don't know, sit-ups, planks, I just felt like I've always focused on that. And even leading um, up to my pregnancy and during my pregnancy, I was doing a lot of reformer and pretty much right until I gave birth, I was doing reformer and things that I could prenatal reformer. So I felt like that was a big focus of mine um, always. And I had that kind of up my sleeve, I guess. So it was, it was something I, I thought about, cause I thought maybe it's like 10 months. Is this like too close? But then I was like, nah, I'm completely fine. And, um, it was completely healed. So, but I, I, yeah. made sure I double checked with that and my obstetrician never run, but it was more that what concerned me with my fitness was we were in the middle of COVID right then. So we could only go, um, within our five kilometer radius radius. So when they said, uh, I, well, when they asked me whether or not I wanted to be on the show, I pretty much almost said no from the get go, because I was like, this is so beyond anything that I could ever do, uh, beyond my limits. And I was all, all the exercise I was doing at that time was just going for a few walks every so often, like with the pram pretty much. So, uh, it was, it was literally going, I had four weeks. So from the moment I agreed to, to go onto the show, I had four weeks from that moment to going into the course and all my training literally like just ramped up from the get go. Like I was like, I have to just start now and I can't stop until I get in there because I literally was just going for walks. So, and that was probably for a good 10 months before. So I had none of that, um, I guess, physical strength, Um, but I could see the transformation. As soon as I think I hit week two of the training, I could see like I could run up hills and not be tired at the end of it. I could like, I could just see how easy it was when you put your mind to something and you start training and you're like, you know what, I can actually do this. Like I've, I've changed from two weeks ago where I couldn't do anything to now where I feel like I'm actually starting to be able to do a lot of things uh, physically. So, and also my training was because none of the gyms were open. I think I went to the gym once um, 
the whole time. So it was like, okay, well, what can I do now? Because my initial thoughts would be like, I've got to go to the gym, but I'm so glad they weren't open because going to SAS, you don't want to go to the gym. You want to do everything but the gym. Like we were going to the kids' playgrounds and going on the monkey bars for grip strength. I put something um, up on the door behind me here and I was just hanging for grip strength and doing pull-ups. Like I could barely do a pull-up. I think I could do one pull-up by the end of it, but like I literally had, yeah, no physical strength at the start of that and it was it was great to see that transformation we will be right back after the break yeah no you did good i mean with only knowing that you only had four weeks that you put in and then your performance you know i think you know i know the the four of us were always like, damn, she just had a kid. And, you know, because hanging from the skid of a helicopter and then having to pull your feet up to get a grip, you know, to basically wrap your legs around that thing so that you can then get in the helicopter. Every time I saw you do that, I was like, that's got, I wonder if that's like, you know, <laughs> know. is that, is that, a, is that a good idea after having a baby? But I think you, I think, yeah, you made a, you made a great point and that is, you went into, you've always had a strong core. You've yeah. always focused on your core. So yeah. having a baby made it easy to recover because you've had that strong core foundation. And I think that's, you know, wise across the board, not that yeah. men are going to be having babies, but men should also have a very strong core. Um, yeah. Cause I kind of relate it. Like I used to tell my guys in the platoon, like if you're going to have hernia surgery, uh, anytime they have to cut through your abdominal wall, you know, you want to go into that surgery strong so that you can recover faster. And it sounds like you kind of applied, applied the same principles. Yeah, um, exactly. And some people even say, like, how did you recover from your SAS experience? And I was like, well, it was actually more in the preparation than the actual recovery where I found that when I got out, I didn't really need to cut, like recover in any way. I had a few bruises, a few scratches, but I think that's because I focused a lot on the preparation leading up to that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Put in the work, put in the time. And then, uh, you know, not everybody gets to see their results uh, in an SAS course, but yeah. you're right. As soon as you put your mind to something and actually just start doing it, like it takes a week or two to get in stride and, you know, kind of plane out and get used to it being part of your daily schedule. But, but you it's know, I mean, you're yeah, you're proof. It's possible, and you benefited, you know, greatly. And that was just with four weeks. Imagine if you had more time. How, I mean, yeah. I can't imagine you performing any better because you were performing. I mean, you know, for those listening, you know, Anna was going up against, you know, professional athletes, Olympic athletes. <laughs> you know, so and hanging with them, you were hanging with them. You know, that's that I think it's it's so important for people to realize that, like, if you just put in the time, you'd be amazed at how competitive you can be, uh, even with the most competitive people in the world. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Here's, here's my husband. I can see oh. you in the background. He's like, I hear another man in the bedroom. He's got his party <laughs> pants on. Hey, hey, husband. Like, he he a lot of the training. And if I didn't have him, that's when I would have been on the treadmill at the at the gym. So he, yeah, whipped me into shape, that's for sure. Awesome. Hey. Not taking it easy on it and, you know, making, bringing it Oh, yeah, best. no. She, she kicked ass. Good job training her, buddy. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's the first time I've listened to him ever. I was like, hey, I know you know what you're doing, so I better listen. I was right. just living vicariously through her still now as well. I would yeah. love to be in there, but maybe maybe next year you might see you there. See well, you. I think I would do that. Yeah, there you go, buddy. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um <laughs> Yeah, so uh, there you go, everybody. There's the Bachelor, and then uh, so the very first Bachelor of Australia made a cameo appearance. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know. Um, <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's funny. Um, all right, so yeah, good training. It paid off. You performed extremely well. Um, you know, and when I know- you talk about the sorry the the athletes and the Olympians are on on there, a lot of these shows you have. You're ex-Olympians, and we definitely did, and we had the ex-athletes. But yeah. I think about half of them were actually current. So yeah. a lot of the women were still at their prime and still we had the boxers, um, both boxers were still at their prime and still competing. And that's where I felt like I was like, holy shit like these people uh, are physically and mentally just all there so i had to get my head around it and as soon as i started doing uh well at uh each challenge i was like you know what i can do this like and it kind of shocked me so i was like okay and that kind of pushed me to go further and further so but then also dealing with failure as well knowing that okay if if i didn't do well at something then it's how you move on from that and how you can then benefit from the failure yeah. And I think you noticed too, no matter how professional the professional athlete was, they had their own vulnerabilities and that's the, that's what the course brings out. It, you know, in, in SEAL training or any of the special operation training units, you will have these incredible athletes show up to try and get through selection and try and become a SEAL, a Ranger, uh, a Green Beret. Uh, and it's it's incredible to me how many of them actually don't make it. Because yeah. they're so used to success and so used to performing at a high level in an arena in which they excel. But as soon as you stick them in some new environment and they fail once, they usually have a hard time like recovering from it because yeah. they've had so many successes over and over and over in their life. Yeah. And uh, I, I tell people all the time, like, you know, special operations selection courses are like the ultimate equalizer. I don't care who you are, how badass you are. Uh, that course, any course will find your weaknesses and exploit the hell out of them. Yeah. And that's what's so great about this course, because I would never experience that course. (laughs) And everyone that goes into it, they gain something from it, which is great, whether or not, yeah, you're the best of the best. And you get into this situation, like you were saying, that just exposes your vulnerabilities and which is not always a bad thing, because then you can grow and learn and, and move forward. That's right. That's right. Um, okay. Now let's, what do you, what do you got? Are you, so I know actress was kind of in the the write-up that my producers put together, but are you doing any kind of actress thing or is that just because you've been on these shows? Been on these shows. I've done um, more presenting than acting. My husband does acting, not me. So uh, okay. it's more presenting. Like I've been on various um, shows and done sort of various things, but presenting. Presenting, like, does that mean like commercials? Uh, not commercials. I've done commercials, but more we did um, travel things. I, I did this show uh, very briefly called Trial by Car, which I was the lawyer uh, in that, but it was sort of like, it's like a Judge Judy kind of vibe. Yeah. Uh, so that's sort of more presenting. Do you have any other uh, 
reality shows on the horizon? Anything no, I'm like, I want to stay away from that. I <laughs> That's why I didn't think I would go into this because I was like, I, I felt like I didn't need to. And then when I spoke to my husband about what were the positives about going into a show like this, it was more about that self-belief and gaining that self-belief, which I didn't have and I haven't had from a very young age. I've always felt like I've had to prove myself. I remember when I was young back at like primary school where everyone just, I think, called me the blonde girl. And I just felt like I was like, I'm going to prove you wrong. So I always wanted to compete with the boys. I always wanted to like outrun them, outskate them, show them that I can do it as well. So I felt like throughout my whole life, um, that's been like a current theme, which is why going into SAS, I was like, I want to change that train of thought. Like I even did law to prove to people that I was smart enough to do law and prove to myself as well. Uh, and I think this is one, another instance where I was like, I didn't have that self-belief going into it. And I was like, what can I take from this? And why would I go into a show like this? I've been on shows before, so I don't really need to go on another reality show. So I was like, what I can gain from this is knowing that when you put your mind to something uh, that you can do it, you have that self-belief. And I wanted to sort of take that on to like my later life and all the things that I'm doing now. And also being a mum, what can I teach my little girl? Because I can't go and say, oh, you can do this. You've got this, like anything you want to be, if you have self-belief, because I didn't believe in it. So I wanted to make sure that I genuinely believe that I can do it and that everyone can do it um, if they put their mind to it, whatever that may be. And I am starting my own business for the first time uh, ever. And I've always wanted to start something, but nothing sort of ever felt right. And that was another reason I went to SAS to believe because I was like, oh, if I start this, is anyone going to buy it? Like, oh, I don't want to start because I was so worried of like firstly what people would think, whether or not it would do well. And I see everybody else like flourishing around me when it comes to businesses and, and being an entrepreneur. And I was like, I just felt like I could never do that. Um, so that was another reason why I went in. So I'm now focusing on my business um, and I'm pretty much doing that full time. I'm launching in a couple of weeks. It's, it's called Into Wellness and it's about getting in tune with your body uh, and it's a supplement. So it focuses on sleep, um, but also your skin. So you take it before you go to bed. And I don't know whether or not you saw, but in SAS, like sleep for me is the most important thing because obviously you can't function without getting a good night's sleep and it also affects your skin. But on SAS, we had a couple of snorers, Jeff Hugel. Um, and <laughs> I remember Denver. hearing about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It literally drove us up the wall because you obviously don't get much downtime and you don't get a lot of sleep in there. You don't know when you're going to be woken up. You're always on edge. And then you have these snorers who don't just snore like really quietly. They are horrendous. So like there was one time um, in the middle of the night, I just got up and I was, I went outside. I sat right in front of the, the toilets and I bawled my eyes out because I was like, I need my sleep. So yeah, sleep is a big thing for me. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just really happy that I went on there to, I've said it like a hundred times, but believe in myself that I can. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, you're on it. So now with your new company yeah. into wellness, the sleep piece. Now I, I think it's not until just this last, I don't know how many ever years I've been listening to, we all know sleep is important, but I find it interesting that in the human performance world, you know, the physical fitness world, they have actually focused on it more and more like how sleep is not just it's not about just waking up and having energy for the next day it's like the number of things that go on in the sleep cycle that restores 
every part of your body. And yeah. I mean, do you dive into that at all? Um, I do, but not really because I have formulators and like scientists all behind it creating this formula. But one thing that I will say on that is I was watching, uh, it was a masterclass on sleep and um, the guy who was talking about performance and fitness, it's like if you have a good night's sleep and then you go do a workout at 9am in the morning and then you have a a bad night's sleep and then you go do a workout at 9am in the morning, like you can do the same workout, exactly the same, but the effects of that workout are actually different if you've had a good night's sleep. So yeah. you're working a lot, like, yes, you can work out a lot better, but it's actually the effects of that workout that change as well. So it's kind of just like everything in your life uh, is affected by sleep, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and people don't, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying people don't see that so much. Like a lot of the time we focus on our skin and what creams we can put on our skin and and what we can take for our skin. But it really comes down to, again, it comes down to good nutrition, but also getting that good night's sleep. So it's like that knock-on effect when you don't have a good night's sleep or you or you have a good night's sleep. So how does, uh, how does your supplement work? Sleep and then helping the skin at the same time. Is there, what's the, is there a connection there? Well, it's it's a powder that you take at night and it's got the sleep aspect is you've got your magnesiums in it, you've got lemon balm, passion flower, and then the skin uh, ingredients, you've got your collagen and another ingredient called astaxanthin. So they're just two sort of, we've got two lots of ingredients that target your skin and then um, target sleep. And you just okay. take, because a lot of the times I would take supplements where I'd be like, okay, I'm going to take magnesium to sleep and I love my magnesium. And then I would get up in the morning and I'd take my collagen or, or anything else. And I'm like, there's too many products out there. I want it all in the one. We're working on other products so you can have your morning one as well. Uh, but I just wanted to take one thing at night, which targets everything. And I didn't find that there was a huge amount out there that targeted those specific things. Got it. Yeah, that sounds good. You know what? You know what? I would like that to come in. If you ever like those goo gels, goo, uh, yeah. right? For, the gummy gels. Or? Yeah, like well, yeah. the 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 goo. Yeah, it looked like these little packets, and it's like oh, jelly, yeah. jelly or jam, right? And you just yeah. basically one shot. Yeah. And you're done. You don't have to mix it with anything. You don't have to yeah. do anything. It's brainless. Yeah. You just take the gel. And then you're good to go. like when you're doing a marathon and right. they give you gels halfway through. But they're yeah. so sweet. Don't yeah. you find they're so sweet? And like, I like sweet, but our product, it's a lemon flavor, but it tastes really nice because you just want to mix it with water uh, before you go to bed because I don't like anything too intense before I go to bed. So yeah. you have to get like the flavor like really good. Right, right. I would say, yeah, you, if there was like a a gel formula. It doesn't have to be sweet, yeah. but I know what you're yeah. talking about. When I was doing triathlons and stuff, and you have to almost get used to taking goos because it can yeah. also mess with your stomach. Yeah. But man, it sounds like you're onto a, a cool little formula there yeah. and that's into wellness, but we'll yeah. hit all your links uh, at the end. But uh, unfortunately for you, it's time to see if you actually can survive this podcast. <laughs> Which I have a feeling you're going to be just fine considering the crap you've survived so far. But <laughs> Okay, give we'll, it to me. <laughs> all right, we'll find out. Here we go. You're listening to Can You Survive This Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and share on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. 
So your hypothetical survival scenario. Mm-hmm. Ooh, this one looks interesting. I'm, you know, I kind of do these with you guys. So, okay. oh, so this is the first time you've read it. I, I, I know of each one, okay. but sometimes this, the answers get switched around and stuff, which makes it yeah. fun. So, all right. It is nighttime and you are arriving at an event that is taking place at a large banquet room in a 40 story skyscraper. Okay. The event is a cocktail meet and greet kind of thing with people in the entertainment industry there in Australia. Mm. I've been um, there. Can picture it. Maybe Russell Crowe be there. He's a big fan of the show. Did you know that? Um, and then let's see. So the event is invite only. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did not get a plus one, so you're all all on your own. You can't rely on your on your husband. Um, after you enter the lobby of the building, you're checked in by a hostess with a guest list. Uh, she lets you know that phones are not allowed in the event. She will keep your phone in a locker. It'll be checked in in the lobby. Uh, you'll keep the key to your locker, and you'll get your phone back later. Okay? So, right off the bat, do you A, turn in the phone and take the key, or B, refuse and skip the event? <laughs> <laughs> Um, depending how good this event's going to be. You're a party girl. You're a party girl, remember. Yeah. Well, (laughs) did they know that I had a spare phone in my back pocket? So I'd handed the phone they thought I had. Look at you already thinking. You're already thinking this out. I gotcha. Yeah. So, or depending if they're there, (laughs) watch me put my phone in. Like, I'm I'm trying to think of situations where I can keep my phone because obviously you never know when you need your phone. (laughs) But yeah, I I carry two phones at this point in time. (laughs) Look at you. Okay. So I'm going to go with, uh, you're saying A then. You're giving giving a phone up. I'm going to give a phone up. All right. Going a phone up. And that is, uh, let's see. Yes. That is correct. You give the phone, you take the key. Okay. Good job. Because why you that, want. Why is that correct? Because you, you because you're doing the right thing. Party. Because you want to go to this party. Okay. <laughs> so you turn in your phone. You make yeah. sure you uh, take note of which locker okay. it was put into, because you're very aware. Obviously, um, you are now phoneless, regardless yeah. of the uh, hypothetical second one you have. You have no phone. Uh, the hostess directs you to the elevator, and it takes you to the 11th floor, all right, which is where the banquet room is. Mm-hmm. After taking the elevator up, uh, you check out the party for a little while. Uh, the line to the bathroom is really long, so you try to go find your way down a different hallway. Maybe there's a bathroom with not such a long line. Yep. Um, while you're in the bathroom, you hear shots fired. Automatic gunfire rains out. Okay, the party is being taken hostage by several gunmen. Do you A, sneak back into the banquet room and see what's going on, or B, leave the bathroom and move away from the banquet hall? Uh, B, for sure. <laughs> um, I don't think I need to know what's going on because I've heard what's going on, and I think I... I don't think I would be able to help much in that situation. Um, I don't have any guns on me. So, yeah, I would go away. And then also, I don't have my phone on me, but I'm sure I could find a phone somewhere to call out to people, let them know what's going on. So I think I'd be more useful if I left. Because once I'm in there, I'm probably going to stay in there. So, yeah. 
I'm yes, you are correct. B is the right answer. You move away from the bad guys, right? I mean, increasing distance increases survivability. You get off the X. The X is the spot where the bad guys feel like they have the biggest advantage with stealth and surprise uh, and speed. So, yeah, you want to get away from the X. Yeah. You move away from the banquet hall and find yourself at the end of a hallway where there is, uh, where the elevator is, okay? Um, the door to the stairs is next to the elevator, but yeah. it's chained shut, okay? Yeah. So it sounds like people are now moving in your direction. Do you, A, get on the elevator, or B, run to the other end of the hallway? Um, I would get in the elevator. <laughs> I'm like, is this right? I'm like, normally I wouldn't take the elevator because I'd normally take the stairs so they can't see where you're going and what level you're going that someone's in there. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to run back towards everybody. So I, I, even if I went down just one more level and then I could check and see if the stair mm. open. Look at you. Am I really yeah. thinking? <laughs> you're doing good. No, you're saying all the th- yeah. You're you're okay. you're saying all the right things. You're it's like you. Okay. It's like almost like you're reading off my paper here. Can you see oh. my screen? <laughs> I can see it on your glasses there. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Uh, so uh, yeah, you get on the elevator because yeah. really you don't have a choice. You just said no. it. You can't. I mean, you're not going to run towards gunfire. No. I mean, unless you've got a gun and or you're yeah. just feeling you're feeling kamikaze. Yeah. Um, so yeah. since you can hear people coming. Uh, who may be bad guys, you go with getting on the elevator, which is about as smart as you can get, and you get the hell out of there. Uh, No sense running around in the hallways. Um, You don't know the building that well either, right? This is all new ground for you. Um, So you're in the elevator, and now you hear people in the hallways say, did someone just get in the elevator? So do you, A, take the elevator down to the lobby, or B, Take the elevator to a different floor and look for more discreet exits. You already kind of answered this. Me. Yeah, Me. look at and you. I would, also, I would also probably <laughs> use the elevator and press a few of the buttons to make sure they wouldn't know what level I got out on. So I could press it down to the one below, but then maybe I'd stay in and then go a couple Ooh. more below and then see if the, yeah, the door to yes. the stairs is open. Right. False insertions, we call that. Right, because bad guys used to hear us with our helicopters. So you make sure you go land your helicopter about five times in five different locations, and they don't know which location we actually got out of the helicopter. Right? Yeah. So yeah, you want to hit all the buttons. That's a great idea. Okay. (laughs) Good job. Um, If the bad guys made it to the eleventh floor, they likely uh, took over the lobby. So a lobby isn't a good idea because they probably have people down there. You can take the elevator to the lower floors and see if you can, uh, you know, take steps from there, find a phone, call the police, a lot of good stuff that you mentioned. Um, You take the elevator to the second floor, okay? The floor looks like corporate office under renovation, right? Um, Tools are laying around, et cetera. You see a landline plugged in, right? Those are hard to come by these days. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do you a find somewhere to hide or b grab the landline phone and start using it grab the phone start using it yeah. i don't think they would be connected to a landline phone nowadays so um i would definitely do that you can still go and hide while you're while you're talking and then i would probably do that but then i'd probably move on as quickly as possible um I don't know if I'd want to just sit and hide because you never know if they're going to blow up the whole thing. So my idea would be I want to get out 
and what's the best way of getting out without keep going moving right yeah yeah well using the phone is definitely the right answer good yeah. job and uh you use the phone to call the police yeah. as you tell the operator where you are the elevator dings right ding and the doors start to open you duck behind an unfinished cubicle space right those little cubicle walls yeah a bad guy with a gun exits the elevator and is about 20 feet from you he sees the phone you were using off the hook because you didn't hang it up do you a charge the guy just run at him as fast as you can or b make a distraction instead and make him look the other way i definitely be um i don't think <laughs> My frame would really do much if I charged at him and he'd probably just shoot me while I was running to him. So um, I would definitely somehow create a distraction. Uh, I don't know how that, what I could do. If I had something on me, I could throw it. But like, it would still be quite difficult in that situation to create a distraction. Uh, I'd hope I'd have something on me. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, create a distraction if I could. Right. I mean, if it's, you know, you have to really, there's a lot going on here, but obviously, you have to take into consideration what you're up against, you know, um, and being very comfortable with what your true capabilities are, right? Am I capable of doing whatever versus what I can't do and being completely honest with yourself. And so, uh, you know, there's some people that, you know, make these crazy decisions and they succeed, but in a life or death situation, you might as well take advantage of the guy, you know, exploit him the best you can without engaging him, which is distracting him. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you can grab any object. You know, there's tools, there's staplers on desks, you name it, and chunk it in yeah. the direction. Make a noise so that it gives you time. And what people don't realize is time can be an ally or it can be an adversary, right? You want to make time an ally, and so by creating yeah. time creates options, creating options equals increased survivability. Okay. Um, when he turns towards the sound, you charge him you, <laughs> and you take him out with a screwdriver. Okay? okay. And you shove it right in his neck. Okay. His blood's going everywhere. Now you have his gun and you have his walkie talkie, his radio. So, do you, A, take his gun back to the 11th floor and start saving lives Rambo style, or B, check through all the channels on the bad guy's radio and see if you can connect with maybe a police channel? Uh, well, if I couldn't be, for sure. <laughs> um, I think you're stupid if you're going to go back there. You don't know how many people are back there. I think, like I said, my frame, I don't have any gun experience. So I probably would be shooting something not on target. So, yeah, definitely be. And, uh, yeah, I would try and obviously use the walkie-talkie. I don't know if you could. Can you With the walkie-talkies, can you get onto the police by that? It depends. If, okay. you know... It, you can here in the states you can buy law enforcement radios you got to have a good reason but you can get a hold of them and okay. then that what that does is all it does is it allows you to get on locked channels you know for oh, yeah. lack of better words um 
So yeah, these are bad guys. Maybe these yeah. are high end bad guys. They bought the good radios. You could listen to yeah, exactly. uh, get on a yeah, police. Definitely bait. Yeah, you get on a police channel. So you find the police channel, um, yeah. and you also look out the window and see a single cop car approaching the building, right? And uh, over the radio, you hear the cop saying, "Hey, everything at this building looks fine to me." Uh, the cop starts to make a U-turn and leave, right? Which is the last thing you want. You try to use the radio to tell him not to leave, but the signal doesn't seem to get to him. He can't hear you. So you try to use the phone from earlier, but now the line is conveniently dead. The cop is about to leave. Do you, A, shoot out the windows of the floor you're on and get his attention, or B, take the elevator to the roof and get try to get reception on the radio. Ooh, this is a tough one. <laughs> yeah, they get harder and harder. Oh, part of me wants to... I feel like the police, because you said the police are literally turning away, I don't think right. I would have time to get all the way to the roof. So I don't think, because it's 40 floors, so, and I'm... Um, you're down at the bottom yeah so i don't think that would be an option as much and also like you don't even know if there's going to be a reception up there so i would definitely try and shoot out the window and then i would leave that floor to make sure no one knows where i'm where i'm at you are good yes you're gonna shoot out the windows try to get his attention before he leaves and yeah once again time people don't take into consideration how important time is you can have great ideas but do you have the time to execute them that's what you have to ask yourself and yeah you're not running up those flights of stairs with bad guys all over the place and exposing yourself um yeah you so um the cop will be gone before the time you get to an elevator go upstairs and you could be killed if you tried to go to the roof. So, if you haven't noticed what this scenario is following, just like in Die Hard, you <laughs> shoot out the windows and you throw the bad guy's body out the window. Okay? And it lands on top of the cop car, which is perfect. <laughs> so, you hear him erupt. got his attention now. <laughs> you got his attention. You hear him erupt over the radio that there is definitely something going on at this building and that a dead body just fell on my car. So do you, A, now go to the roof and try to communicate with the radio, or B, hide where you are until the cops come? Ooh, um, I, I think I would hide because, like you were saying, in the last situation, time, and also you don't know if there are the bad guys in the stairwell and it is so far up i don't think i would actually get up there in time and i'm sure i'd see someone along the way so if there's no one on that floor right now the bad guys know the cops are here so i feel like i would stay and hide whether i'd hide on that floor um or whether or not actually i probably would hide on that floor because i feel like once they know the cops are there they'll be running up and down the stairway so i don't think they're going to be safe hmm. is that right? hmm. No. Mm. Oh, my gosh, no. Maybe you've got to rethink the answer. (laughs) The thing about staying put is that the bad guys could actually come look for their missing buddy, right? Yes. And now you're going to stay exactly where he went missing. And not to mention, eventually, they're going to realize he fell on a police car from a window. Okay. Uh, So you want to get – you've created a new X for yourself, right? Yeah. So anytime there's another – 
big incident, like using an automatic weapon to shoot out a window and then throw a body out of it, you've just created a new X for yourself, right? So you need to keep moving. So, A, move to the roof so you can get a signal, communicate with the cops, all right? But you only missed one, so you're still surviving the podcast. Okay, I'm still alive. (laughs) You're doing okay. You're doing okay. Okay. All right. So now you get to... So you get off the X and you head to the roof. You get to the roof um, and radio to the cops, uh, giving them more information and telling them the situation because, you know, you're smart like that. Yeah. Um, And they tell you now, okay, hide in place and let us handle it from here. So last question. Do you, A, go back down to the 11th floor and take out some bad guys because (laughs) you're not too sure if the cops are going to do their job or B... Before you even say it, (laughs) or B, follow the cops' instructions. Uh, Yeah, B, I'll follow those. Yeah, that's right, because you are a law enforcer, not a law bender. Exactly. Anything that they say, I do. Yeah, so (laughs) obviously, I'm going to um, because, like, how we've spoken about the entire time you don't know where they are um now you're up on the roof like god it's going to take hours getting down so i'm sure listen to them stay safe and then let them do their job because yeah i'm not going to be taking out any baddies that's for sure that's right no you did good um (laughs) staying safe staying hidden and where some of this really relates is you know, which, you know, unfortunately is popular here in the United States is active shooters, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, do you guys deal with much of that over there? No, is no. that because are guns a, a big no-no or what's... Yeah, we, yeah, you're not allowed a gun, so no one has a gun here. Like, Yeah, all. I think <laughs> I knew that. Um, so, yeah, you know, obviously over here we have more guns. Literally, there's roughly 430 million guns in America. There's 330 million people. So there's 100 million more guns than there are people in the United States. Um, But it is also the same reason why we will probably never become a Ukraine, because every single one of our adversaries knows that the American people are armed and ready to use them, which is a, which is a good thing. But the bad side of that is sometimes you get people using these as, you know, literally like weapons of mass destruction, having these mass shootings. Um, and it's important to note that whether you work in a business or maybe you're a small business, you need to work out what your plan is with law enforcement, because if there's ever guns and bullets, you know, everywhere, and you do put yourself in a place where you're hiding and you barricade the door and you lock yourself in, you have to know when someone knocks on the door and says, hey, it's okay, we're the police. How do you know that? Yeah. And so one of, the, uh, one of the SOPs or the procedures here in the U.S. with businesses is no one comes out of their room until the cop puts the business card under the door. And the business card typically... Uh, is set up in a fashion that the business knows, okay, that's the right card, right? It has certain bona fides on the card that yeah. a bad guy wouldn't know, even if a bad guy shows up with a bunch of law enforcement business cards. Make sense? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is food for thought for the listeners. Make sure you know when you can come out, even though you're hearing that supposedly the police are there and it's okay yeah. to come out. You need to have a way of knowing for sure um, so I stress that because some of these uh, active shooters are getting smarter and smarter these days and and doing anything to lure people out just so they can shoot them. 
Um, well, Anna, you did great. So Thank you, you uh, I wish I got that one. Damn it. <laughs> I feel like you, we could have gone either way. You know? Oh, you did awesome. You got nine out of 10. And I mean, let's face it, we're writing the scenarios. So, you know, people yeah. are going to get them wrong, uh, whether they like it or not. Um, so where can people find you? Where can people, uh, when your product comes out, start buying, give us all of your, uh, contact information so that, uh, you're easily found. So uh, you can go to www.intowellness.com and it's spelled I-N-T-U, like in tune, intuition, um, wellness.com. And so you can go there. I've got my social media uh, I've and social media for Into Wellness as well. So I think I'll give you all those as well and you can go to my yeah. personal if you really want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'll, uh, I'll we'll make sure to plug all your uh, links. And uh, yeah. like I always tell people, if you have a hard time finding anyone, just go look at who I follow. Uh, it's yeah. Anna Heinrich 1. Anna Heinrich. 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 I German. My, uh, my parents, my dad's Hungarian, but yeah. yeah. That's name, very so German. Anna yeah. Anna but I have Heinrich. changed my name. I just haven't changed my social media name. So yeah. Of course. I'm a robot now. That's right. You're you're yeah. a taken woman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can find her at Anna Heinrich One, um, and that's into I N T U Wellness, and uh, look out for her supplement that's coming out to help with sleep and skin beauty. Um, and hey, I appreciate you coming on this show. Thank you very much. And like I always say, keep it simple because crisis will complicate the rest. And until next time, be safe out there. Can You Survive This Podcast is a production of Calvary Audio and iHeartMedia. Recorded live from a secure location here in Dallas, Texas. Produced by Brandon Morgan, Jeff Apple, and Clint Emerson. Executive produced by Keegan Rosenberger and Dana Brunetti. For Calvary Audio, I'm Clint Emerson. <laughs>